Yo, you know how to space, space. Shout out to man in his podcast. Shout out Squint. Shout out Cody. Bitch, Squint and Cody still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me. Waited that space like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen. They got to the dream, huh? Squint and Cody still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me. Waited that space like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen. Yeah. They got to the dream. Huh? Meanie, meanie, money, money. Catch your thotty by her toe. If she say she don't listen to the podcast, I let her go. If she say she do, to see a motherfucking keep a grim reaper killing beast without the effort, cause I'm eat good. Came from the bottom, so jump from the top rope. My head is mad, how I'm spitting the scout flow. I'm on my game, running up for that pop flow. We want a green second cheese, just like nachos, huh? Say, let me breathe for a second, huh? I'll be ballin' hawk out in these threes, like I'm reffin', huh? Squints and Cody, still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me, waited that spells like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen, they got to the dream, huh? Squints and Cody, still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me, waited that spells like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen, they got to the dream. What's up, you guys? It's another episode of A Man in This Podcast. It's your boy Squints here with a very special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Dingo. Uh, I've uh, been a professional wrestler for uh, probably about 15 years on and off in the St. Louis metropolitan area and across the country. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the long and short of it. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are hearing your name recently because Anarchy had just done a uh, the Dingo Invitational I know you talked about it a little bit at the show, but like, how does it feel to like have a tournament in your honor? It's really awesome. Actually, I was completely humbled. I wish Twitter would allow for uh, more characters because I don't like using Facebook um, because I really wanted to give like this really nice, long, heartfelt explanation as to how I felt. And I didn't want to just do it in segments. Um, but it was good. It was really awesome. I felt humbled and and, and uh, very blessed. It, it was great. Like it's good to see old friends, and their roster is amazing. It's I, it's so to see good wrestling, to see it in the St. Louis metropolitan area, to see it like be named after me was fantastic, and to see it like basically with people that I grew up in the wrestling business really take it to a next level it reminded me of the stuff that we used to watch and go wow i want to do that one day and it is that now so that's really awesome yeah i so i got into the st louis wrestling scene a little bit after i think you had left around like 2017 2018 ish and i remember uh just always like it seems like anybody I would talk to about wrestling, like the St. Louis scene, your name would get brought up. Oh, well, Dingo this, Dingo that, Dingo this. Yeah. And I was like, like, oh man. And then when I found out uh they were doing a tournament, I like put on Twitter and I was like, I was like, somebody give me some dingo matches to watch just so I can see him. And then like a bunch of people were just sending me matches, like your match against um Davy Richards for Ring of Honor, I believe it oh, yeah. was. Uh I forgot there's a bunch of matches though from like before Anarchy was Anarchy though when it was uh uh Lethal Wrestling Alliance like LWA. Yeah, LWA, that's it. I couldn't think of it. But uh 
like leading up to this episode though, I was like reaching out to a few people that I know know you and I hit up Adam Raw and I was like, do you have any dingo stories? And he sent me a highlight clip of his and he's like, 10 seconds in, you can see me toss him into the third row. Do you remember that? Um, I want to say it was back in the LWA days. We did the spot a couple of times. It was one of my favorite spots, actually. I, I love just being like, especially when I had the opportunity to work with like a bigger guy or a guy that's more uh, muscular, muscularly inclined. That's not even a word, but like anybody that's big enough to throw me around, I love working with because I love taking big bombs. Um, do I remember that specific match? No. Do I remember the spot? Yes. <laughs> times. I remember him. We, I, I think it was like, I want to say it might have been a Turner's Hall or it was like a Knights of Columbus Hall. And I wanted him to throw me into the crowd. Over, They had these gigantic guardrails. They were like five and a half feet tall. And I was like, just see, can you toss me over the guardrail into, into these crowds? And we had some plants set up. So, you know, we're not going to have any kind of like liability. Yeah. And it got over huge. And I, it was, it was like an era coming off of old school, not old school, but like around the end of ECW when you would do like, you'd see like Spike Dudley get launched into the crowd and that, that was like real hot. So it's like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to, I want to, I want to make this guy look good and do a big spot, big, big high spot. And then we can finish it from there. So yeah. I mean, I remember that spot. It's awesome. I loved it. Yeah, no, he's, it's funny because it seems like anytime I like ask him about somebody, there's always a spot of him like tossing someone. Yeah. Like, when, I had, when I had Gary on, he's like, oh, well, ask him about the time that I tossed him into the wall at Spalding Hall. And I was like, the time you what? And he, apparently he just gorilla pressed Gary and just launched Gary out of the ring into the wall. And I'm just like, my God. Yeah. So like back in the day when we, back in the day, that's so stupid, but like <laughs> when we were younger, um, and we were like really hungry to make a name for ourselves. It was like really popular to do dumb stuff, like just bypass judgment altogether for our bodies and just be like, yeah, yeah, you can do this. I'll take that bump. I'll go here. I'll, I'll fall off of that. That's fine. And because, uh, because most of the guys in our, of our stature, of our uh, like particular group, there was only like a handful that were big. We were all like very junior heavyweight-esque type athletes. And then there would be like a handful, maybe like three, four, five guys in the entire metro area that were big enough to make, to pull it off. And Sam was one of those guys. We'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Chuck us through the air. It's fine. It'd be great. And it always worked. Yeah. He's one of my uh, like favorite people to talk to. One time he, uh, he like picked me or he, he texted me one night and he's like, Hey, do you want to go to Chicago and see Egyptian Thunder Liger? And I was oh, like, wow. I was like, Oh, I mean, I mean, I'm not really, I don't have the money right now. And he's like, Oh, I have an extra ticket. I'll pick you up. And I was like, all right. And it was like yeah. a six hour drive or whatever. And just like, I'm not a wrestler or nothing, but I like to like pick people's brains and sure. just hearing the stories that he had. And then just like, he's just one of the nicest people ever. Like in just some of the craziest stories. You talking about Gary? Uh, Sam. Oh, both. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sam, he is definitely one of the craziest people that I've ever met. And I don't, I mean that in like a very nice way. Like he's, I've, we've had some experiences like traveling to Texas and uh, other 
wrestling companies. We had to stop him one time because he's so just like shoots from the hip and does whatever the hell he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Like we were in Texas one time and we were at a mall like day of show and we're going to get some food or something and we're just kind of moving around San Antonio. So we went to this mall and we're just sitting there eating or visiting or what have you. And there's this kid sitting on like the ledge of like an internal water fountain, you know, a little feature you throw your pennies into or whatever, just something. And he's just sitting there acting like a little chit heel, just being a little dumb kid. And it took everything for uh, myself and Nick Tyson, another wrestler that we knew at that time to be like, Sam, don't, don't, don't do it. Cause he was like, I'm going to go push that kid in the damn water. We're like, no, you should probably not do that. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go do it. So he gets up and we're like, uh, no, 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 no. So he finally conceded and no kid in the water because I, we'd rather probably not go to jail or run into this kind of, any kind of situation. But yeah, he's, he was hard to control, but fun to be around. He, like, he, the thing of it is, though, he would always have your back, like no matter what. He, he, was, he was a good guy. I like Sam. Yeah, there was a one time he, uh, I, what's it called, rode with him to Anarchy. And to my knowledge, he was just going as a fan. Uh-huh. And like, he's like, all right, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the back and talk to the boys. So I was like, oh, yeah, go talk to your boys or whatever. And then like 10, 15 minutes go by. And I'm like, where's Sam? And then just he comes through the curtain, and I'm like, what? And he, he didn't tell me that he was on the card. Like, he was he, – I forgot what it was. I think he, like, cut a promo to lead up to, like, his return match or something. And I was like, you were just telling me on the way here that your doctor told you you can't wrestle, and you're telling all these fans that you're going to be fighting someone soon? Yeah, he's he's wild. He, he always liked to – I don't know, man. He always liked to pull one over on people, and it was it was just it's an interesting character. Yeah, yeah. He uh he just recently told me he was like uh he's like oh did you know that he went to the same high school that me and him went to at the same time? I don't know if you want me to say it on air or not, but like the high school that he went to, I went to, and he's like oh well did you know that he called you by your shoot name to me? And I was like uh he went to so and so high school, and I was like oh really? Yeah. Like, uh, like, that's just, like, a small – not – it's a huge school district. It's just – I didn't know that. No, um, so you're talking about uh, in – in uh, uh, well, what the hell, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, nobody's going to really care. Uh, so it's funny because I went to one high school with Gary J and uh, Pierre Abernathy. Yeah. And then I went to live with my father when I was in high school. And that school, that's the same one that Sam went to, Adam Raw. Yeah. And yeah. that was the Northwest. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I went to Northwest and I went to Fox. So two in, two people, two entities in, um, in Anarchy, I went to this two different uh, high schools. And, yeah, I think Sam was, like, two years behind me, I think, or maybe mm-hmm. one year. And uh, I went to the old Northwest down in the valley, not the, the yeah. Prison. yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, like we all grew up together. I started in 90, I started training in 98 and then my first match was October of 99. But I mean, I started rolling around and hanging around more with those guys, probably like 02, 03. And then we started road tripping a lot from there. Okay. So like, did you know, so did you like meet uh, Pierre and Gary separate from like Adam? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so 
Um, when I was working in Gateway, um, okay, so let, let, let's see if I can do this chronologically. I knew Pierre and Gary, and we had, Pierre and I had study hall together. So I knew him from way back in high school. And then like, and then, you know, I graduated and went on and did my own thing. And I started wrestling. And I didn't know that he was going to do that or even like get into it. And uh, I started working for like the local one and only the South Broadway Athletic Club down in South City. Um, at that time in St. Louis, there was like two companies and then just like a big drop off. There was nobody else. There was South Broadway and there was, uh, uh, there's three. There's an MRW that became Gateway Championship Wrestling. And then there was like this just, uh mud show and other than that there's nobody so i went to south broadway from south broadway we went to gateway and in gateway about a year or two in maybe three i don't know um there was like rumblings about the lwa and like what they were going to do because let's be honest they'll probably tell you too they did it like a big backyard thing for a long time yeah. sam did and uh uh we went out and saw him and sam got in contact with a guy named uh, big ben that ran gateway and then uh sam started doing shows for uh gateway championship wrestling and i funnily enough i think he was like my bodyguard for a long time as, as like dingo's bodyguard and then he started just working but sam's like super talented and then through sam we got to know pierre and gary uh in the wrestling business uh, so we reconnected there, and it's just, uh, it all happened that way. Okay, okay. Yeah, he told me a little bit about his uh, backyard days, and it's funny because he uh, he said he had two of the teachers from Northwest come to the show once mm -hmm. and, like, participate in the show, and it was so funny because, like, I was, I had those teachers because they're still at the high school, and yeah. my senior year, I asked them, it was the Wilhelm brothers, I asked them, I was like, I got to know, do you remember this? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, like, one day the teacher was like, all right, movie time. And he turned on the match where he came out at Sam's backyard show. And I was like, this is the craziest and coolest thing ever. It was wow. so funny. Yeah, for, for them, for their the backyard that they did, um, it was actually pretty, pretty impressive. You know, they had a really decent setup, and yeah. it was just – I don't know, it was really good. Seidel, actually. That's the first time I saw Matt Seidel was in that backyard. So uh, Sam came to, like, because I used to do backyard wrestling. I was like, I didn't wrestle because I can't do any of that. And mm -hmm. Sam showed up and he, like, went on Facebook Live or whatever. And all my friends were geeking out. They're like, oh, this is so cool because, like, uh, Matt Seidel. And he was just, Matt Seidel just saying, he was like, oh, potato, potato, sandbag, sandbag, this and that. And then, like, uh, who else was it? Gary said something under it. But, like, all my friends were, like, going nuts about it. Like, oh, dude, we have eyes on us. We have eyes on us. But it was funny because, like, that you said that Matt Seidel wrestled with Sam. <laughs> Matt Seidel seemed like our show once. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really kind of crazy, like, how many people came out of that, like, that little scene, um, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Did, did you ever do any backyard wrestling? Yeah, uh, I mean everybody. Any, I don't give a shit what anybody says. Sorry if I like you're not. In, I, is it okay if I accidentally slip in a curse word every now and then? It curse as much as you need to. <laughs> well, I'm just. Uh, I'm not really good at like censoring myself. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, everybody, anybody and everybody that was like a wrestling fan did backyard wrestling to some extent or another. You know, whether it was like, you know, messing around in the house with your cousins or brothers or something. Or, But like, as far as like a big production, yeah, I mean, we did it once or twice, but we were just playing around. Like, we didn't, we didn't really even take ourselves seriously. We were just like, we were going to, you know, we were a bunch of dumb, boring, like, high school kids that probably should have, like, went out and got, you know, girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever your respective uh, likes are. And, um, but no, we spent it building a, uh, a professional wrestling ring and we played around and had beer and our friends came over and we drank and had parties and stuff and just pretended to wrestle. And, and right about that time was when I started wrestling. So I was taking the little bit of knowledge that I, I got and like telling my friends, which it's a big no, no, I shouldn't have done that. I should not have done that. Cause at that <laughs> point the internet was in its infancy and there was kayfabe that was like kayfabe still existed. So yeah. to some extent, so I didn't, you know, I just blew that right out of the water. Uh, come to find out later, I really shouldn't have done that. But Yeah. Know. And it's, my friend, he was training. It was in his backyard, and he started training. And then he, like, what's it called? Like, his trainer told him, he was like, listen, you can do the backyard stuff. Just, like, don't don't relay my information to your guys type of deal. Yeah. Like, And, like, my friend was like, yeah, I can respect that. But it was just funny because my friend, he'd be like, all right, I can't make the show this week, and I have, uh, I have to go to training. And we're just like, oh, man, he's big-leaguing us now. <laughs> <laughs> big-leaguing. But uh, more on the Dingo Invitational Tournament. It was a great tournament. I only made it the night two, unfortunately. But okay. uh, two questions. One, what was your favorite match from the tournament? And two, who stood out the most to you during that tournament? Man, I could go on like this for a while uh, about that tournament because I tweeted out that, like, hands down, it's probably one of the best tournaments, if not the best tournament I've ever seen. As far as, like, pure wrestling style, it was really, really good. Um, definitely the match that I remember the most was that I just was, I was blown away by. And like, I was really sucked in as a fan was ACH and Aaron Williams night one, but, um, like Billy Starks and Vega night two, I think was yeah. insane. And the finish, like, I haven't, I haven't popped like that for like as a fan in a long time i'm sitting there going how are they going to finish this and she goes up for this uh the swan time and he, he switches positions and grabs the clutch and i'm like that was insane uh, i like I, I jumped out of my seat literally you can ask uh pierre he's like because he was standing right next to me and I, like i jumped out of my seat i was like holy shit that's amazing i oh my god tap out please yes <laughs> um but like Gary always blows me away, always. And so much of the fact that when he's done, I want to go in the back and punch him in the mouth. Be like, don't take bumps like that, please, <laughs> ever. Like, please, God, don't do that. Um, I'm probably to blame for some of that. But yeah, yeah. If my favorite match, the one that like sticks out was just the pacing of ACH and uh, Aaron Williams. The pacing of it was fantastic. The finish was really good. ACH is probably, and I had this conversation with Pierre, 
one of the top 10 best professional wrestlers in the world. I like, I a hundred percent believe that like he's so talented and completely underrated. Um, I, I think he definitely deserves more accolades and morals than what he gets. But anyways, yeah. So ACH, to answer your question, ACH Williams and then Billy Starks and Vega. Uh, those are your, my, my two standouts. With a caveat to there's uh, this really, I, I would say he's green by my standards, but there's a kid named um, uh, Anakin Murphy. And he's only been doing this for like, I don't know, like three years, something like that. Not even oh. that. He just hit three years like yesterday, okay. I think. And I was blown away by the way he sells. He sells very, it's, it's very intriguing to me uh, how he sells and uses his body to sell. Because like, to me, selling is very, very important because um, you're making the other guy look good. You're making uh, the match look good. You're just, there's a lot of things. You can just go out there and act like, you know, a, a sack of potatoes or some shit, but like he really makes the other guys look good and he's full of fire too. So yeah, that's, that's my caveat. He, uh, he did a really good job too. Yeah. I seen Anakin for the first time, probably right whenever he was first starting out, it was about two and a half years ago or so at like some little small uh, shindy, as I call them. It, was uh-huh. not, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good promotion by no means, but like, he stood out to me because I remember watching his match and like, I was just like, oh my, oh my. And like to see him be able to get like on these anarchy cards and all that. I'm like, thank yeah. God. Like he puts in the work. Yeah. They got a good crop of new guys like Victor Analog. I really like his gimmick. I really like um, his style. He reminds me, uh, again, I have this conversation with management. Like he really reminds me of a, um, an early Davey Vega. Uh, I mean, that probably has a lot to do with like the looks, but also just the way he works. He's got a lot of like quick um, staccato movements that works really well. Um, Anakin also, again, yeah, he was good. Um, as much as the bullshit that went down with Derek Neal, I, I, I love old school, like Southern style gimmicks. One of my biggest, because I, I grew up on that stuff. I really did. Like Derek Neal and Thomas Shire, fantastic. I, I I love their work. I love it. I like, I haven't been keeping up with wrestling as much as I should, but now this kind of like lit a fire and I've been watching a lot of their work since then. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Cause like Tom, what, they told me that Thomas Shire was, uh, he's a Dory Funk uh, graduate. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. I love, I love all that. I'll watch any of that. And then just watching Derek Neal, uh, it, it's classic old school heel, like Southern heel. And I love it. It's, it's good. So good. The way I judge, like if a wrestler, like if I'm going to like a wrestler or not, or if I should like look out for a wrestler is a, uh, I don't know what the Anarchy fan base is exactly called, but like he's a day one, Jason Klein. He, okay. what called, he loves Derek Neal, loves Derek Neal. And like, ever since I've seen him talk about Derek Neal, I've started watching him and I'm like, this name's the real deal. And I just found out he's been wrestling for like 20 years or something. I didn't know yeah. any of that. Yeah, he's been, he did a lot of like stuff uh, where he's from and like Bowling Green. That's what uh, uh, Pierre told me. He's like, this guy's been around for so long. And I'm like, that's, un- he's super, super talented. I'm blown away by how long he's been around and how much like he just is kind of like hidden gym. You know what I mean? Just hidden yeah. gym. Yeah, and no, yeah, I talked to Klein about about that tough stuff too, because 
I, I was just chilling with him before the show. We were talking about old like, NWA stuff because that's the cusp of which I, I grew up. I grew up between NWA. When NWA was going from that to WCW and WWF, like that, that like, um, you know, the, the classic era, the golden era of WWF. Yeah. That was my age. Um, so we got, we got to talking about like old school wrestling and I, I agree. I mean, that classic Southern style heel wrestler. Awesome. So good. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, last weekend it was like, I've never heard a crowd like pop so loud when you came out to give your speech. And then, like, I've never seen so much heat on a wrestler when Derek Neal attacked you. Like, I I don't know how to explain it. It was just one of the most, like, surreal moments for me to be in an environment like that. And that's a lot to do with, like, the anarchy atmosphere. Like, they're, they're just – that, like, part of the show is the crowd just so yeah. invested. And that's hard to find, it seems like. Yeah, well, that's, that's what happens when you grow a crowd, when you cultivate um, – that type of thing uh, that it's, it's rare in the business. Um, it happened with like ECW. It happened with old school territory stuff. Um, and when you get a, basically a cult following like anarchy has, it, it makes it so much better. Cause like, even if there's like 10 people in the crowd, they're just eating on the palm of your hand. They love it. And you want to work for them. They like, it's, it's great. And I felt it too, man. Like when, when he hit me, I could hear the air just get sucked out of the room. Like, it was like, oh, boy. Oh, that's not good. So, and then he hit me with the driver, and I was like, oh, oh, this is, this is, like, just sitting there, like, laying on the mat going, oh, this is, this is both good and bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, trying to keep a modicum of showmanship here, but, like, yeah, it was it was a very rarely do you get that in independent wrestling, and that was one of those moments. So, so. I seen a fan like jump out of his seat, and like he looked like this fan looked like he was ready to kick Derek's ass, and I'm like, no oh. shit, yeah, like if he was uh, on the wall where the entrance is. I want to say okay. he like stood up and he like walked a couple feet towards the ring, and like I was like looking at my friends, and I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, this might get. This man might like do something. Like he was like mad, but oh, like man. I would have loved it. I would have loved it if somebody hit the ring. I would have because that's what you want. I mean, you don't want it. You don't want that to come to fruition and anybody else get hurt. But like that's the kind of like emotional. Uh, you want to pull those strings. You want to pull like as hard as you can, but you don't want to break them. You just want to pull them as hard as you can, and to get somebody to like try and rush the ring man that's that's good stuff there uh there was another moment in the night which i'm gonna get to him warhorse uh when he lost his match i seen a fan like literally storm up and like storm to the bathroom real quick and i was like oh man when warhorse lost oh yeah 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 warhorse has a like big following too uh and he was talking on twitter about how he was the last graduate of uh like you training uh, so what's your just overall opinion on Warhorse to watch him grow from the kid you trained to what he is now? Um, yeah, I, Warhorse is a phenomenal talent and to go from what he was to what he is now 
is damn near night and day. Like he, I want to say his first gimmick was, I want to say, if I remember this right, it might be the gentleman Jake Parnell. And it was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. And then he kind of morphed into the little Viking and he was doing that thing with um, the Viking uh, war party. And that was really awesome. I really liked that. He like developed a lot there and then he kind of like went on on his own and then Warhorse developed from there. Um, I, I think it's phenomenal. He got huge too. He didn't used to be that big. <laughs> like skinny man. And uh, he's jacked now. Uh, like for TV, he's still cruiserweight. Like for national TV, he's still cruiserweight. And got some room to grow, and I, I'm sure he'll get there. Like he definitely will. He's got a lot of fucking drive and and determination. He's really super talented. Very good showman. Very good showman. He knows exactly what he's doing there. Um, I would, if I had to guess, I would say he's probably about a year out, maybe a little less from signing with somebody. Yeah. Uh, that's just my guess. Just shooting, and I, I like. He, he's so talented. Um, there's a lot of other facets of his personality that he could explore and make it even better. Um, but right now he's, he's doing real good, man. And I'm proud of him. Yeah. He was, he was probably one of the last uh, students. I think I have like, uh, maybe like two or three of the last ones that kind of just, he, he stuck around the other two or three just kind of faded away uh, as they do. Um, but yeah. And I mean, like, and just to, just to be a hundred percent real when people are like, Oh, Dingo trained me or I trained, I gave them a lot of the good fundamental work that they learn and then they take it on the road and then they polish that. And it's a lot of OTJ. It's a lot of on the job training. So you're going to get on the road and like, you're going to take that little bit that I gave you and the little bit that this person gave you and a little, and you're going to mix it all together and make it your own. But as far as them getting their feet wet for the first time, yeah, a lot of those guys came uh, from the dynamo gym or the gateway gym uh, from my tutelage. So yeah, I mean, if they'll admit it, I'll admit it. I don't like to, I like to be humble, but like if they'll admit it, I'll admit it. So. And then uh, the touchback on the anarchy atmosphere, what is your favorite uh, moment for you uh, from like a fan perspective, I should say, uh, for in anarchy history or LWA history? My favorite moment? Um, from anarchy or LWA. Um, man. Like the ones that like stick out in my head is when they, like, they brought Samoa Joe in, and that was a big to-do in LWA. That was a big, big deal um, back in, like, mid-aughts ROH days because he was, you know, he, that was unheard of. Everybody was trying to hot shot with, like, old Fed stars or, like, a couple ECW stars. GCW, Gateway, they used to bring in, like, old uh, ECW stars, like, Kid Cash and Rob Van Dam, Nova, Sandman, blah, blah, blah. But like ROH was up and coming and real hot. And they brought in uh, Samoa Joe. That was a big, big deal. Um, that's a very, very big one. Um, 
anything that involves Gary, like escalating, like leveling up to like championship status is, is a good story. Um, man, as far as like a pinnacle moment, I don't really know that you can like, you can put your finger on it. There's, there's multiple ones. There's always going to be multiple. Ones. It's like asking somebody who you're like asking a professional wrestler, who is your absolute ultimate favorite or who is the best professional wrestler ever. You, you, some people be like Hogan. Some people be like flair. Some people be like, I can't, I can't figure that out. There's just so many good ones. And I fit into that school. There's just so many good uh, memories from there that, uh, you know, that really like, hit home. So yeah. I, can't really, I can't really give you like a, a specific one. Yeah, I didn't, like I said, I didn't really get into the local scene until like 2017, 2018-ish. And I went to Anarchy's return show after the NWL. I think uh-huh. it was. Yeah, like it was our first show after the NWL. And like ever since I've been a huge Anarchy fan and I love hearing stories from other people about like, like you just saying Samoa Joe, I had no I just found out really that uh, Kyle O'Reilly used to be at ANRG like on yeah. a regular basis, which like it's just it's crazy to me. I think St. Louis wrestling like is probably one of the like top three cities for wrestling. Like people sleep on it and all that. They sleep on it. People sleep on St. Louis wrestling all day long. It's I mean a lot of times people consider it like a like a flyover city for wrestling, but there is so many it's kind of like hipster wrestling. You know what I mean? Like there's just, you go, Oh, who's wrestling tonight? Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, Orton might show up because blah, 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 blah. Cause he did at one point back in the day, he would show up every now and then. And not, not just Bob junior, like his son, Randy, when he first started wrestling before he shot down to OVW, he'd pop in on a, on an indie show every now and then from time to time. And um, like, and that's, that's the kind of thing that happens. Like, LWA used to bring in uh, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, and you just didn't hear about it. And it was like a hidden gem, and it was great. You know, it's very hipster. It's like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, when pe- when I try explaining it, people are like, "Oh, well, you're just biased because it's your hometown." I'm like, no, like, like dating all the way back to like wrestling at the Chase, like. I didn't realize how big of a deal that was until recently. Like yeah. I used to think it was just like a little small local thing, but then hearing from other people like Flair used to come in and defend the NWA title there and stuff. And I'm like, that's just insane to think. Yeah. So wrestling like in the territory days and, and pre-territory day, well, not pre-territory, it was territory from like, oh man, from like the, the carnival days all the way up until like uh, probably mid nine, mid to late nineties when the internet really pretty much killed it. Um, but like St. Louis was a big territory, huge, huge territory. You know, um, they wrestling at the chase at the, at the Coruscant ballroom. And then like Harley had Kansas city and um, you know, God bless it. I forgot his name. <laughs> I should, I should know this. Um, but St. Louis was a big territory. Chicago was a big territory. Nashville, the Mid-Atlantic Coast was a big territory. But yeah, St. Louis was huge. Always has been um, since like probably since like the 60s. 
50s, 60s, and then it got really big at wrestling at the chase days. Yeah, and Flair used to come through here all the time. Yeah, yeah like I didn't know that until I forgot who it was, but somebody just told me, like, oh, yeah, I used to see Flair. And I was like, oh, yeah, like on TV. And they're like, no, like at the chase. And I'm like, that, like, it just, I don't know why I didn't believe it, but. Yeah, it was. Uh, you, you it was a big deal. Oh, my bad. No, you're good. Uh, you mentioned Harley. Did you ever have the pleasure of getting to meet him? Yeah. So uh, for a very short minute, um, I used to live in the Lake of the Ozarks for like five years. Um, and Harley, b- before he passed, God rest his soul, uh, he uh, ran a school in a little town that was adjacent to the Lake of the Ozarks called Eldon, Missouri. It was World League Wrestling. And he had a yeah. little gym up there. And uh, uh, a lot of the wrestlers stayed in that little town, Eldon. They stayed in apartments there, and they would, like, train, like, Steve Fender and uh, Derek Stone, uh, Miss Natural, Stacey O'Brien. Uh, Ace Steel was there for a short minute. Uh, a whole bunch of guys. Um, and he would bring in guys from, like, um, uh, Noah, Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, yes, to answer your question, I did meet Harley on his birthday, um, cause I was really friends, good friends with, um, Miss Natural and Stacey O'Brien or, or not Stacey O'Brien, um, Lucy Mendez. And we would hang out from time to time. She's like, Hey, you should come out, hang out with us. It's Harley's birthday. And we're like, Oh, okay. I'll go hang out with you, whatever. So I met Harley and we talked about some things. I never really got to work with him. Cause he's like, you know, come down. And then I would show up and he wouldn't be there or there would be no classes that night. And it just, the schedules never ever really worked out. But yeah, Harley was a good man. Um, it, even into his uh, later years, he's a smart ass, a funny, funny, funny guy. Um, the boss, and really took the business seriously, very seriously, like very old school. And so I, I, I you know, yeah, I'm, I'm for the short little relationship, not even. I, uh, Har- Harley was good. He was a good man to me. So yeah. I uh, I went to one of those World League wrestling shows because they still run. They're not in Eldon now, though. They're in uh, Troy, Missouri now. I uh, met him, and, like, it's funny how I met him. I didn't have money to get the meet and greet, and I was talking to Adam about it, and he's like, there should be a guy there with a camera. Find him. And I was like, all right. And he's like, his name's Brian. Tell him that I said to give you $5 for the picture. And I was like, <laughs> I was like all right. And it was Brian Kelly, and I went up to him. I was like, Hey, Brian, uh, you don't know me, but uh, Sam told me to tell you to give me $5 and he'll pay you back. And he's like, oh, since Sam said, and then he gave me the money. And I went over to Harley and I got the picture and he like put his arm around me. And he's like, you ever been playing a headlock kid? And I was like, no. And Harley put me in a headlock and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, couldn't get out of it, could you? And I was like, no, <laughs> I, I couldn't. He's even like, cause he was chair bound like towards the end. And even then, man, he's strong as an ox. Like, yeah. he's a tough old man. Or he was a tough old man. And, yeah, it's good yeah, no. yeah, he was in the wheelchair, I want to say, when I met him. And, like, he's a like, strong. Just, yeah. you know, I was not expecting it to be that strong. I was like, my God. Like, for somebody in a wheelchair, I thought you were going to kick my ass. He, <laughs> just, like, he, like, just laughed it off. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, like, me and him chit-chat. But he, like. From everyone I've heard about him, like he's just, like you said, one of the most nicest people ever, funny, just 
a jokester. He likes to pull jokes. Yeah, he was definitely like Harley was. You know, he always, everybody said he was like you know the best wrestler on uh, the face of God's green earth. He was definitely a one of the boys, a man's man. Um, like he, Harley Race wrestling back in the day would not have survived in 2000 and like he would have gotten too much trouble he would have gotten way too much trouble um with all his escapades uh but that's kind of endearing too you know um he was just a little smart ass not little he was big he was a male smart ass and a tough old man and yeah i wish i would have gotten more chance to work with him my favorite story about harley is uh cm punk said this i forgot when but like it was whenever CM Punk was like working St. Louis or something and like Harley, he was like at the bar with Harley because he was like Harley's DD and apparently Harley's like uh, can you give me a ride to the hotel and Punk was like yeah sure I can give you a ride to the hotel no big deal and he got in Punk's car and he's like oh I feel sick and CM Punk's like you better not puke and he's like I'll do what I want and just puked all over CM Punk's car and he's like my bad kid I'll get it later <laughs> or I'll clean it later <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Harley, there's there are so many uh, good Harley stories. Um, there, like, I want to say, I hope I'm not mistaken, but there's one where Harley Harley was notorious for wanting to drive everywhere, very much like Vince McMahon wanted to drive everywhere, and he didn't get he drive like a bat out of hell. Like he didn't care. Ninety miles an hour in a rainstorm, he didn't care. And I want to say, if I remember this, I hope I'm I hope I'm telling the right story, please. But like he like. He would be drunk, completely problematic, driving while getting attention from an, uh, a, a lovely woman. He would drive or he would, uh, I think, I, I want to say one time he, he drove a, on a, in a racetrack, or maybe that's a different character. That might, I don't know. That might have been, I don't know. But like he drove his, his actual car on like a motor speedway, like broke into it, drove around the track a couple times and got caught. I might be getting confused with a different wrestler, but I, it sounds like something Harley would do. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. I'm sure if uh, I'm sure if that's not who you're thinking of, Harley's probably done it though. <laughs> if, if it's not who I was thinking of, he, Harley was in the, is in the passenger seat. I'm sure, probably smoking Marlboros and playing cards in the back or something like that. He was no, he was notorious for that too. And then also, you mentioned it on um, the Anarchy podcast, and I just wanted to touch up on it. Uh, your time in Ring of Honor, like how was that to be able to work with Ring of Honor? Because when you worked with Ring of Honor, it was uh, like right whenever they were starting to boom, right? They, okay, so they were really hot in the early to mid-2000s because it was at that point, in the early 2000s, it was like Danielson, Joe, Homicide, Loki. Um, punk, um, and then it started getting like you know some some guys like uh, Whitmer and Roderick and uh, Nigel, and then you know like a lot more characters. I came in around '06. Now I was not contracted at all. It was me showing up. I showed up because uh, I got the rub from Samoa Joe. I did a show in Kansas City that he was on. He gave me the rub and he was like, hey, come talk to Gabe Sapolsky and we'll see what we can get you for maybe like a dark match. I said, oh, okay, cool. 
I go up there one time in Chicago, uh, no go. Uh, the replacement for me was like a scramble. Or my spot was taken over by a couple of guys from uh, Canada and Michael Elgin. Elgin. Uh, but then I came back the next time and they put me on and I was like, yeah, this is where I need to be. So I'm just going to keep showing up and I'm going to be annoying until they keep booking me. And I would just show up to show after show after show. And I would help set up the ring and break down the ring and set up the, the lights and the entrance. I would just set up the show, help set up the show. And then I'd help break down. And they kept giving me opportunity after opportunity to do like dark matches. It, uh, it also helped that the booker, the co-booker at the time was delirious. Uh, so, and he and I both came out of basically the same school in St. Louis. Um, so that helped. And also Seidel was still working on the cards from time to time. It was a good time. I really liked it. It was a good locker room. Um, I think some of the guys that I liked being around the most were guys like uh, Davey and um, for a very, very, very short minute, like I got to know Danielson um, and Nigel fairly, like it, it was just, you know, it was more in passing. I hadn't really earned their respect all that much yet, but you kind of just keep to yourself and do what you're told and, uh, you know, learn, learn how to work with them and, and they'll learn how to work with you. So it was good. I liked it. I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, so then when Gabe made Evolve or started running Evolve, did he ever reach out to you for that? Yep, sure did. Um, I had to pass on it because I was so far removed from wrestling that I just like, I, I can't do this. I can't, yeah. I'm, I'm not physically fit. He asked me about, I don't know if he wants me to like completely divulge the situation, but he did ask me, he's like, hey, I would I'd be interested in like, maybe you doing something with this particular wrestler. And uh, I was like, I would love that, man. But like, I am so far out of shape and so full of anxiety and just completely far removed. I don't want to make an ass of myself. And I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't have, I don't have it in me right now. So. Okay. What made you uh, like step away from pro wrestling full time? Was it just your body couldn't take it or you just knew it was time to be done? Yeah. So full disclosure, uh, in 2009, I got a really rough neck injury and let's, I'll, I'll 100% make it accurate or not accurate, but like, uh, I'll be really real. Um, I was working with, working with Davey Vega and uh, he, he was going to give me a, uh, fire thunder driver. I think it was, was, I think it's what it was. And it's, it's, you know, it's the, it's the body slam into the sit out, like, um, driver type situation, like a hooventude, like a hoovy yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I, I didn't tuck my head quick enough at all. And it's, it's so it's absolutely not Vegas fault at all. It was hundred percent my fault. I didn't tuck my head, uh, quick enough. And I landed my forehead on the mat and I did this, you know, basically like the scorpion, you know, and it popped and it's audible. You can hear it on the tape. It popped. And I thought it was just a stinger. We went to the hospital. I had like a compression and like a chip of my three and four, like the, the compression of the, uh, the disc between three and four, that one's compressed and it's pinching my nerve now. So that's fun. 
And then like a little piece of bone came off of it. So it was a technical break and it scared the shit out of me enough to be like, mm, I should probably step back from wrestling a little bit. Um, no surgery was involved, just a lot of therapy and like don't do any wrestling for a while. But it was enough to scare the hell out of me. Um, and, and enough to make me go, uh, I should probably vacate my IWA title too. Um, so I got, I, I walked away from wrestling from that at that point. Also, um, I started a relationship that uh, led into my marriage that I'm, I've been married for uh, three years now, but I've been with this person for the past 13 years. And it was like a new part of my life that I wanted to explore and wrestling. And that didn't really coincide very well. Um, plus the injury, uh, we were in a place where I wanted to grow that relationship, but if I was wrestling at the same time, there would have not been, it would have, wouldn't have been able to happen. Yeah. Just wouldn't have been able to happen. So I made the choice to go, okay, I don't want to get injured all the time and try to like make this relationship happen. Maybe I'll pull myself away from wrestling. Um, the full pullback was in 2017 when I got another concussion and I was like, I can't, I can't keep getting concussions left and right. I got, I mean, I'm over, I'm over the 15 mark and it's just, once you hit somewhere around like five, I, it's, it, you can get them from just like, you know, bumping your head on, 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 on anything. And I was like, yeah, no more for me. I did a belly to belly overhead. Um, and I hit my head on the floor and I was just like, no, no, I'm not, not doing this anymore for a while. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the long and short of it, basically. Okay. Okay. Uh, you mentioned IWA and somebody on Twitter wanted me to ask this. They, uh, let me find the question. What are some of your favorite memories working the IWA, IWA Mid-South and other, per, I can't pronounce it, Priolia? Priola, Illinois. Peoria? Peoria, yeah. I couldn't pronounce it, my bad. What are some of your favorite memories from working those promotions in IWA Mid-South? Oh, man. So IWA Mid-South has it's like has a has a reputation. It, it always has. So does Ian. Ian Rotten has a reputation. Um, he's never done me wrong. And whenever I was uh, put... I, I, whenever I had to be sidestepped, uh, I it was made good. He made good further down the road. So I, I personally don't have a personal problem with Ian Rotten at all. Um, some of my favorite memories of working there was uh, seeing guys like Samoa Joe in the locker room, seeing uh, working with guys like Tracy Smothers. I grew up watching WCW and seeing Tracy Smothers on like super brawls and stuff like that and going, Oh, wow, that's cool. You know, he's a crazy guy. And then actually getting to work with him was fantastic. Um, some of my favorite memories are working with guys like Jason Hades, who runs a company called Chicago style wrestling now. Um, working with guys like uh, Trick Davis, who lives right down the street from me here in beautiful Chicago. Um, I did a dog collar match with a guy named Jason Strife. Uh, he, he's up in Iowa. He runs a company called Magnum Pro. Uh, I love working that match. I worked Necro Butcher a couple times. 
That was a fun match. Uh, working with IWA got me the ability to work with the Insane Clown Posse at um, at uh, one of their gathering events. And that's like the largest crowd I ever worked in front of. And somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10,000 people. Now, were they all like mentally there to watch them? <laughs> Probably not. But they were all there in, in spirit. Uh, <laughs> but it was... You know, yeah, I mean, like that, I got to ride with Sabu, um, who is one of my Mount Rushmore wrestlers. And, I, you know, I don't care if anybody thinks that's shitty or not. He's one of my favorites. Um, IWA did a lot of good for me. Um, it did some bad, but, you know, it, you're never going to, it's never going to be perfect all the time. I, 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 liked, I liked IWA. Uh, it was a good time for me. Yeah, I never, uh, I never was able to make it out to one of their shows, but like just seeing the crop of talent that have like came through there. Like I was watching uh, the Ted Petty Invitational like 2004, and oh, yeah. like, they had like Hero, Kingston, uh, Cesaro. They had all sorts of people, and I'm like, oh my, I didn't know like all these people came through. Yeah. IWA. Yeah, the TPIs were were hot, man. They were fire. Like from like 2000, went out like early 2000s to somewhere probably around like eh, 2008-ish. They were really like Punk was there. Yeah. He, from time to time, he would bring in guys like Malenko and Guerrero. Like it's it's unreal the names that came through there, and it was all because of the old ECW days, um, I think. But like. Yeah, you would see like Homicide and Loki and Danielson and and Joe and just uh, just this cavalcade of like talent that you would not believe would have come through there. So what's the uh, like who's the biggest wrestler that you faced and you were just like like standing across the ring from them, you thought to yourself, holy shit, I'm facing I'm facing them. When you say biggest, what do you mean biggest? Like name-wise or? Yeah, like name-wise, like somebody you've seen on, like that you used to watch or somebody that like, yeah, biggest okay. name, I guess you could say. The Man, I've, um, probably the one that scared the piss out of me the most was AJ Styles. Um, so I wrestled AJ Styles and that one really like made me go, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, but yeah, uh, that was a good one. AJ Styles, uh, Colt Cabana was another one that I've worked. Um, I wrestled a handful of names. Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn was one of my favorites to wrestle. He's fantastic. Jerry will wrestle you. <laughs> so yeah, he's a, yeah, yeah. So I'd say AJ Styles and, and Jerry Lynn probably. When was uh, AJ Styles? AJ Styles was uh, mid 2000s. I don't have a specific date. I'm sorry, because like I've, uh, I don't know why, but like my memory as far like my memory really doesn't go back further than like 08, maybe. Uh, you know, I just there's a lot. Like when we were when I was working for Gateway Championship Wrestling, we did so much wrestling, in like in a month time, we would do TV tapings and like a show every weekend so we were we were doing a lot of wrestling and it's hard to remember every bit of it but the aj styles was for um 
I, I want to say it was Central States Wrestling, but it could have been something else. It could have been, oh man, but it was out in Kansas City. Um, it was it was the same crew of guys that was like that was like NWL esque, Metro Pro esque, CSW esque. Like they all, it's all essentially the same group of guys. And um, man, I think it was Central States. I'm pretty sure it was Central States Wrestling. But yeah. Um, mid 2000s and it, it was really one of those matches that helped put me on the map because he put me over he put okay. me over yeah it was it blew me away like your mic's cutting out Yeah, it sounds like you're. It sounds very quiet. I'm not sure why. I can still barely hear you. Okay. I'll probably get back to a normal volume. Any louder? Not really. I'm not. I don't know how to alleviate this. <laughs> I'm an old man. Any better? It's a little better. Okay, let me try. Oh, how about now? Yep, yep. Okay, because I can barely hear you, so I'll just have to like uh, listen up as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. You know what? Give me just one second. I'm going to throw some headphones on. Okay. How about that? Yep. Yeah, I can hear you way better now. Can you hear me any better? I'm not hearing on my headphones. Let me try and get the settings here. I can't hear you. 
How about now? Yep. Can you hear me any better? Okay. Gotta love, man. Let me tell you, don't get old. Okay. Don't get old and stay, stay up to date with technology because I'm only 41 and I'm, I'm I'm swimming in technology going, yeah, whatever. It's I'll just forget it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the best at uh, technology either. Like, uh, I literally like when I edit these, I just toss on an intro song and then Mm -hmm. add at the beginning of it. And that's it. I don't, I don't like if I try getting too uh, tech savvy with it, it'll stress me out. Okay. Well, there's, here's a good practice point. You can pull like 30 seconds out right there and just (laughs) get rid of that. We were, uh, you were saying, we were talking about our, um, not styles match. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was good. I, I, I really liked it. That was a, that was a jumping off point for me. I got to work a whole bunch of different people, um, from that. So. Yeah. That's, that's really cool because right around that time would have been the TNA stuff, right? Yeah. He was in TNA. Like, yeah, he was. So TNA was able to like, they they were one of the few companies that they were able to like, let their talent go work independence because they didn't really think that those independents were going to, they're they're not going to get anything out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to make money off them. But like nowadays, obviously it'd be different hundred percent. But yeah, he was, yeah, he was working TNA at that time. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like, uh, like AEW has a few of their guys do indies and then like Impact will let their people do indies too. But like if WWE ever like had Roman Reigns show up to an indie or something, that would just be like unheard of. So the last I remember, and this is a long time ago, mind you, but the E will let you let, let their guys do shows, but it's a ridiculously insane amount of money. And there's only certain things that they can, it's very much contractually obligated to do only certain things. You're not going to take a penfall. You're, you're, you're showing up for a picture. It's very, very like down the line. You have to do this. You can't do that. And it's, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. So, and it's only usually on very special occasions, you know, they might like, like for the cauliflower alley or like a hall of fame thing. But yeah. They, you, from time to time, you'll see a, a TV superstar at an indie show. I think it was like an 07, uh, Cena and Vince both like showed up by an indie show in Boston. Yeah. I think it yeah. was, like, it was like Cena's hometown or something. Yeah. But like Cena and Vince both showed up and I'm like, that would just be insane to see like yeah. nowadays. It's one of those things that, that I don't think they allow you to advertise, you know? So you're just surprised. Here's yeah. John Cena. What the fuck? All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to wrestle our champion, Hollywood Bob Starr. And, you know, like it's just going to be some garbage throwaway situation. But I got to see John Cena. So that's cool. And then this next. Is I oh. off a wrestler? Try try again because it froze up for me. There's a connection. Uh, this next segment I do is okay. just, I'm going to name off a wrestler, and you're just going to tell me your like just a quick thought opinion on them, and if you have like a story with them, a story with them. Okay. Uh, the first one being Gary J. Oh man, one of the most underrated independent professional wrestlers ever. True pillar of St. Louis wrestling, and one of the best people I know 
uh, kind, sweet, tough, strong. Um, he's a good, he's a good person. Love Gary. Any, like any interaction I've had with him, he's just been like, I, I don't know like how to explain it. Like you just wouldn't imagine him being that way. If that makes sense. Like not saying like, he looks like he'd be rude, but like, right. he's like extremely nice. So nice. And I, like he's one of the reasons I stuck around like watching the independent scene just because he's always been down to earth. Like anytime he sees me, he like, it makes me feel like I'm not annoying, like an annoying yeah. fan. Like he loves the fans. Yeah. The next one, Everett Connors. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Everett Connors is one of those underrated, uh, another underrated wrestler who kind of just kind of faded away. You don't see much from him anymore. As far as I know. He's uh, on a UK tour right now. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) I am incompetent and out of the loop. Um, I did a match. I did a scramble match with him at Logan Square Arena one time. And uh, either I was too weak or he didn't jump for me enough. And we did a head scissor and it looked like shit. Other than that, really cool guy. Like, (laughs) he's a really cool guy. I like him a lot. His, His gimmick is very unique. And I like it. I like it a lot he's like one of the like nicest people ever to me like yeah absolutely off of twitter but like he has this like running joke on twitter where he just likes to bully me and just be an asshole to me but it's so funny because like whenever i uh, first started the podcast he was like my first guest because he's like one of my favorite wrestlers and he was he like was my first one of my first guests he was uh the first person to buy my merch he uh like he like he was gonna come out to uh, my stand up show even and like but like anytime like somebody brings him up like outside of me and him just talking anytime somebody brings me up he just runs with it and he's like oh squints yeah he can he can, he can fuck off I don't like him and I'm like all right all right thanks Connor but uh, it's funny he called me he called me right before you came out uh, on Saturday he called me and I answered the phone I'm like I'm at the dingo what's up he's like I see you on camera can you wave at me and I was like I'm at the dingo <laughs> but at most like like i pray he gets signed sooner than later Um, i think if he does it'll like he'll probably swing something for AEW. um i can definitely see him being like factioned up with like cassidy or something like that you know what i mean because they're like the personalities just are just in the same wheelhouse exactly he's I can go on and on and talk about Connors because I, even though he's an asshole to me, I love him. Uh, <laughs> Dingo Invitational competitor Camaro Jackson. Oh man, uh, hidden hidden gem, powerhouse, uh, super nice guy. Probably, uh, probably to his um, chagrin sometimes. He probably be he probably shouldn't be so nice uh, sometimes, but he's like. He's he's another like up and comer that's gonna make some waves here pretty soon. Absolutely. Whenever whenever I've seen that he was uh at started working in anarchy, I was like, oh yes, because I I seen him at uh Glory Pro. Yeah. And then uh WrestleMax STO. I seen them yeah. both there and I was like, sooner than later he's gonna be at Anarchy. And then whenever I forgot his first match in Anarchy, but I was like, oh, it's about time. Cause he his time's coming too. He's like, that's just another thing about the St. Louis wrestling. Like, the crop of talent in St. Louis right now is just insane. There's a ton of St. Louis talent that's doing a lot of AEW dark. 
you know, Camaro's one of them. Oh, yeah. Like Camaro, the besties, Vegan, uh, well, Grindhouse. Um, they're they're doing a lot of dark. War Horse doing a lot of dark. So, yeah. There's there's going to be a – I think there's probably going to be at least at least two, maybe three or four guys uh, come out of St. Louis. They're going to get picked up real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with uh, what Team Ambition is doing. Like, that's just a whole – like, it's just insane what they're doing too. And then the next person is going to be Pierre Abernathy. <laughs> he is the mastermind. Um, he is the mastermind. Everything and anything. Well, man, I, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, maybe he doesn't want me to say it, but it's too late. You know, you can't can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. But he's uh, he's the mastermind of it all. The, the guy has an insane amount of wrestling knowledge and how to like the the booking. And the preparation and the storytelling is it's it's unparalleled. He's so smart when it comes to setting up the story and, and making it work for a long period of time. Um, <laughs> we did a match, like a moment that I remember with him. He, man, you know what? I don't want to get into it with a moment with him because there's been there's been times that probably would get us into some big trouble. So, but like, Pierre's a good guy too. I don't have any problems with him. Um, great character, phenomenal mind for the wrestling for for not just like not just like the story, but like the business overall. So, Pierre comes from the streets, as 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 the, as the kids say. <laughs> um, so he's got a really good mind for uh like carny business which inherently wrestling is it's carny business and so he does fairly well tells good stories probably one of the best one probably one of the best bookers and on the indie scene ever ever absolutely absolutely and then this isn't a person but a uh promotion or a company uh the nwl man um the nwl okay so I kind man, I don't know how to, it was, it was good. I did one thing. No, I did two matches for them. Um, it was good. Uh, the presentation was top notch, unseen in, in the Midwest. Um, there was a couple like, from an outsider looking in, uh, it, there was a couple things that like could have been tweaked, but I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't like this had anything to do with money or booking or anything, but um, it could have been something really good. Um, I, I think it came along maybe a couple years too early. I feel like in indie wrestling or wrestling in general on, you know, like national TV or nationally broadcast wrestling or independent wrestling there are ebbs and flows um and i think right now wrestling is starting to get back to a peak it's crawling up to a peak and it's going to really start uh probably within the next three to five years it will peak and then it'll go downhill a little bit i think nwl was just a little early just a little early. Like if you did NWL now in 2020, it wouldn't have survived the pandemic. Um, 
if you did it like starting now because people are so hungry for like live entertainment, I think it would have really picked up. It would have been a good time too. I it probably needed to be a little grittier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I only made it out to one of the shows and like the venue was nice. The present like the giant, like I call it a jumbotron, but it was it yeah. wasn't like jumbo by no means, but it was a big screen. Yes. Yeah. Set all of it. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was uh definitely it was like WWE presentation on a on like a local level so that was a cool thing but it, sometimes when there's too many hands in the cookie jar it tends to like become a, pro- a problem so yeah i don't know i don't know this for sure like i said this is an outsider looking in i only got the opportunity to do in ring work twice and i don't like to pry or like pass judgment on stuff that i don't know anything about so mm-hmm. I'll always preface it with, well, this is just the way I see it. I could be completely wrong and it's okay if I am, so. Yeah. And then uh, one last question before we wrap it up is like injuries aside, if Dingo was in his prime right now, who on the indie scenes would you want to face? I was in my prime right now. Who on this, man. Um, it's it's sad to say that I don't really keep up that much with the indie scene as much as I used to. Um, damn, man. It's, uh, wow. There are so many talented people out there right now. Um, probably like a really good technical wrestler of any sort. Um, like a Sabre, you know, okay. like a Zach Sabre Jr., um man that's that's a good question uh i i i I don't know i don't know who to answer that with um so i'll just answer with what i do know i mean i would like to work again with the people that i know that i could put a damn good showing on with guys i would love to work ach again i would love to work gary again um let's see here i would love to work davy again for sure that was so it was it, davy and i did a match one time where we did flare and steamboat and like move for move and it was fantastic i love working davy richards um there's there's just so many there's so many right now uh i can't really put a finger on it honestly sorry no you're fine you're fine and then I always ask the guests this uh, before we wrap it up. If you had any piece of advice, it doesn't have to be related to wrestling at all, but any piece of advice, what would it be? Um, man. I'm trying to think of like something that's really pivotal to me that's helped me a lot, but is also like a, uh, uh, like, like a, uh, it covers all the bases. Um, just uh, don't waste time uh, like worrying about what other people think. Um, relax. It's not as difficult or as hard. Life's not as difficult as hard as, as you think it is. Um, you're, 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 you're putting too much stress on yourself. 
stop worrying so much. I went through I, years, it took me years to figure this out. It's like, you just, everything's gonna be okay. Relax, take a couple deep breaths. Don't worry about it. If you fail, so what? Everybody else does too. It's not a big deal. Um, just, just get up and move on. Dust yourself off and move on. I, it, it's hard because like a lot of people want to put it into these like cute cliches that go on the side of a greeting card. And they do that. And a lot of people will go, that's bullshit. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear some like placation or some baloney like that. I don't want to hear these platitudes and these cliches. But they do it because it's it's the simplest way of explaining like an emotional thought of like, yeah, just relax. It's not a big deal. And I think a lot of people just calm down, relax. Things will get better. You'll be fine. And it took me years to figure that out. Yeah, that's, I mean, just take a deep breath, man. It'll be all right. We'll get through it. All right. And then is there anywhere, uh, if you want to tell the people where they could find you, where would it be all that? Um, just the best way to reach out to me is uh, at Dingo Driver on Twitter. Um, I think my, I can't remember. If, if you have it on hand, I don't remember it offhand because I've just, I don't usually do that. Um, but I think it's at Dingo Driver. Yep. 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 At Dingo Driver. Yep. That's the best way to get a hold of me is through Twitter. I, Cause I'm slowly removing myself from Facebook because it's a poison and a toxin that has covered the earth that needs to go away. Uh, so I'm removing myself from Facebook. I barely am on Instagram. So the best way to get a hold of me, like professionally, would be either uh, would you just Twitter. Just DM me. Just Twitter. Okay. All right. And that's gonna do it for this episode, guys. Thank you for listening, and more importantly, thank you for being on. This is this was a great episode. Other than the little bit of the Zoom. Sorry. Like learning how to work Zoom. No, it's fine because I, I had no. I had no way of helping. I didn't know what to do either. So it's fine. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, leave a star rating, leave a thumbs up, a thumbs down, wherever you're listening to this and leave a review. See you.